Hello and welcome. It is November 19th. It's a Saturday. It's 2011. And this is episode one of the fourth show that I'm putting under the Reactionaire brand. This one is called Blitz Fitness, a.k.a. Blitzfit for short. Or BF. BFF? No, just BF. Anyway, I am Brian, a.k.a. Blitz, a.k.a. The Reactioneer. And I believe that may actually be the first time I've introduced myself in any of the other shows. It's not something that just sort of happened on accident. All the other shows, it's about reacting to news or recalling a game. The individual articles, the topics, the game, and hopefully eventually... All of your feedback is what those shows are about, so who I am, not so important. It's just my opinion that's going to be in show after show after show. This one, however, is a little bit different. This is less of a show and more of a journal. I haven't really told anybody who I am in the sense of how am I educated, what I do for a living, things like that have sort of been left out. And not all of those answers are going to be answered here today, but there is something that I I want to mention. First off, what is Blitz Fitness The Show going to be? Blitz Fitness The Show, as I said, is going to be a journal, and it's going to be a journal of me attempting to, to basically recover what I've lost. And what I've lost is my fitness. What I've lost is my health. So, today's show is specifically going to be what I like to refer to as a body biography. And a body biography is a tool that I haven't really heard mentioned. But I'm telling you it's a good one and it's worth doing on yourself if you're not happy with where your health is or where your fitness level happens to be. It's worth sitting yourself down, reflecting upon yourself, and you want to look for patterns to see why you're at where you're at, because that'll clue you into where you need to go. So I'm going to give you guys my body biography as best as I can. I'm 27 years old. That's not old by any means. I certainly don't feel it. And despite that, it's really not easy to remember every little old facet or detail of my life. Just recently, a cousin of mine uploaded a photo that I long remember and cherish of me and my grandfather on my mother's side who has long passed on and I miss dearly. And this photo is not one that I have, but I just remember it. And she uploaded it to Facebook, so I got to see it again, and I was all excited until I looked, and you know what? The photo had a quite a bit different than I recall. But it was still the photo, and that's fine, but that wasn't even 27 years ago. That was 20 years ago, and there was enough different about it that makes me stop and say, Oh, really? Other photos that she's uploaded just kind of blow my mind, like, oh my god, how did I forget about that? That was important. So, doing a body biography, the older you are, the harder it's going to be to really track back. Fortunately, we start becoming truly mature 
physically in our teens, especially our late teens, when we reach the plateau of what we could be physically. Yes, that means our body goes downhill pretty far from there. But it takes its time. And just because your peak drops, you're likely not at your peak. And so you can do a lot of improving of yourself. So my body biography is really going to start post a few things. I was athletic as a preteen. Very athletic. Name a sport. I was playing it. My calm, cool down, relaxing time was moderately to vigorously active, especially compared to how I am today. Sports were my life, basically. And here's an idea of a relaxing activity I would do. Foot races for an entire block. That was relaxing to me. And it's funny because I do remember this wooden fence sort of construct that followed on one side only of a sidewalk path out of the the front door to my best friend's at one point, uh, not current uh, best friend, not Rob from Jump on My Cake, but before I met Rob, uh, their sidewalk, which would lead into their driveway. And if we would stop in the middle of the Texas heat, in the middle of summer, July and August, after having played basketball for an hour and a half to two hours, I remember putting my hands up on the thick log. It's one of those thick log kind of fence, not a picket fence, not a chain link or anything like that. I don't even know if you should call it a fence. I don't know what it's called, but I hope people kind of get what I'm what I'm talking about here. But I would lean up against that at a wide angle, and I would do push-ups. Just while we're talking, that was cooling down to me. And we would ride bikes. There was baseball, football, soccer, frisbee, races on foot, like I had said basketball there's just so many things and that's what we did all the time and you know what it was texas so i'm in illinois now while in texas the days are longer year-round because you're so much closer to the equator being more south you have more heat and less of a winter i would say winter there was december and january whereas winter here in the chicagoland area is sometimes parts of october but typically it's November, December, January, and February with a little bit of March in there as well as being winter. So, anyway, I had an injury I thought was going to get better on its own. To uh, This injury happened in both of my legs. And it didn't heal up on itself, it got worse. I then played the fool because I then said... Uh, maybe this is one of those things that gets worse before it gets better. Not very logical, I know, but I don't claim I'm smart now, but compared to how I was then, it's a huge improvement. But it got worse and worse and worse before finally it was painful to swing my legs off the bed and have that gravity rush of blood to my feet. I end up getting surgery on both of my legs, and I end up 
going from a nothing but active lifestyle to, for a significant period of time, having to medically be inactive. And so I discovered love of cheese string, microwave popcorn, stuffed crust pizza, started watching TV, which I hadn't really done too much before then. I love shows like The Simpsons, Seinfeld, Home Improvement, uh, ER, which doesn't really fit with the other ones, but whatever, you know, it's what I liked. Friends, I think I was watching. Anyway. And video games started becoming a part of it then as well. And what I became was an ex-athlete who didn't look like anybody who had been an athlete before. And as time passed, I actually sort of said, well, throwing up my hands, saying, well, I guess this is the way it's going to be. I guess I'm not meant to be this supremely active player, this uh, this constantly on-the-go Sweating profusely, having these salt lines on all his shirts, even though it was clean laundry. Just that much activity, that much sweating was done. All of that was basically gone. Bye-bye. And that was true up until my late teens. Up until I graduated high school. And... I entered a depression a little bit after high school because a relationship that I was in had ended not by my choice and not by her choice. And I went through this very depressing period afterwards and then came to a weird point mentally. Where mentally I said to myself, you know, even though we weren't the ones who made the decision to end a relationship, but that the person who did as rare as and almost impossible as it would seem, was a person who was in the right place and position of power to end the relationship, I said to myself, you know, it could have still gone. It would have been hard, but the relationship could have still happened for eight months. And after this eight-month period that we would have to go through this, it would be all us. Then nobody could make this decision for us. But that didn't happen. And I knew it didn't happen because of me. It was because she didn't think that it was worthy enough to go that route. Not that this was like any conversation that I, that I had said, Hey, I've got this idea. But it just meant that while I was thinking about and ready to make this long-term decision, she was not. So I started asking myself, why wouldn't she? And the conclusion I came to may be laughable, but it's the conclusion that I came to. And that was, you know what? I'm extremely overweight. If I were more attractive, then maybe she would have made that decision. Maybe there would have been that fight, and who knows? We're talking about years ago. Life could be entirely different today. Now, how overweight was I before the surgery on my legs I was about 180 pounds 6 foot 1 with a body fat below 8.5% and I only know this thanks to 
uh, school programs that were starting to pay attention to that rather than just weight and just BMI, uh, the body mass index chart, which would be the chart where you find your weight, find your height, and there's a different one depending upon your gender. Line them up, see where they intersect, and that's the number you're given, and that number tells you, your doctor, the personal trainer, what have you, where you're at compared to where you should be. Body fat's better, but that'll be for another episode of this show. That's where I was. That's athletic. Where was I at this point, though, in my story? Between 330 and 340 pounds, with a body fat percentage of about 40, just under 40%. I believe the actual number was 38, 39. Overweight, completely inactive. And let's be honest, despite being young, despite talking about being 18, 19 years old, very unhealthy really setting myself up long-term for a hard, hard, medically speaking, life. Now, although the conclusion in hindsight now may be ridiculous, and I'm sure some of you are feeling that way that are listening now, it wound up still being important. It wound up still having an impact on everything that I am today. Because I decided, you know what? This has to be corrected. If a relationship isn't going to work out, it should work out or not work out based on my personality, where I live, my geolocation, uh, everything like that. Who I've been exposed to and who I have not. That. It should not be because of my weight. And so... Cold turkey, it may almost seem like overnight, I went into a very strict calorie restriction, while at the same time becoming triple, quadruple more active than I was at this point. Now, what was I doing? Well, I was skipping breakfast, lunch would be a banana. My dinner would be a pretty full one, usually a meat, typically chicken, and maybe a vegetable, mashed potatoes, corn, you know, something like that. And then throughout the day, I was eating Fuji, Gala, and Honeycrisp apples, which are still today some of my favorite things. At the same time, I had sort of a a workout regimen that it's not impossible to go very detailed in and not go over time because it wasn't that in-depth. It was very simple and very effective. Every day or every other day, depending upon weather, I had joined, at the time, Lifetime Fitness, and I would go there and I would swim around and just hang out in the outdoor pool for about... Oh an hour at first it started out as half an hour and I think it got up to an hour and a half and if the weather was bad or questionable not quite sure where it was going to go then I would just go lift weights and spend a little time on the treadmills inside at the gym 
the same time, I had an active job. I was working for a Sears Hardware. And I was in the lawn and garden department, and we're talking about me starting this in the spring. So, very busy time. In a department that typically is busy most of the year round anyway. But, I thought about how many heavy things I have to move, or consistent multiple movements that I would have to make, that typically is made as easily as possible. I started changing that up. I started saying, you know what? I need to figure out how I can do this in a way that was more exercise than it was work. And I did. Definitely change things up. On top of that, I had disciplinary action on myself. Now, what that meant was, if I felt hungry, but I couldn't eat... I would do 20 push-ups and 20 sit-ups, and then when I was done, oh, and sometimes 20 squats as well, without weights, you know, just right there in the bedroom, whatever I was wearing, just right then because I felt hungry. After doing that, I typically wouldn't feel hungry so much anymore. Now I was feeling different. I was feeling like a little revved up or maybe a little tired, and there goes the, the craving that I suddenly had. Like I said, that started in spring of that year. By fall, I had dropped from just under 340 pounds to 210. And my body fat had dropped from under 40% to between 16 and 18%. So we're not talking about me being back in the the extremely uh, ready-to-go athletic shape that I had been before, but one hell of an improvement. And let me tell you, the things you feel when making this change is almost impossible to describe. Right now, your blood is coursing through your veins and your arteries, and you don't really know it. You don't know it until something starts going to sleep on you, so to speak, when that circulation's been interrupted. But I felt like I could feel my blood just rushing through me. And of course, there were other things, clothes that had to be completely rebought because everything was just too huge on me. Some of it I still have. And despite where I'm going to get to next, it still flows on me like a gown. Seeing veins... In your arms, just from tiny actions, when before, if I did have an extreme workout, you still wouldn't have seen any. Before this had happened, I was hike. I was sitting down on a kitchen chair and hiking my foot up on another kitchen chair to tie my shoes, and I was still getting winded before all this happened. It was bad. It was as bad as can be. But now it's completely different at this point in the story. At this point in the story, man, I'm running around for three hours straight and feeling fine about it. Eating extremely healthy foods. Notice I didn't say eating extremely healthy. Because what stopped my progress was college. Bum, bum, bum. You know what that statistic says about... Just about everybody gaining 10 to 25 even pounds when starting college. 
I gained, uh, I gained, I think it was 20. Because now I didn't have quite as much free time, and there was a new stress in my life that I didn't have that just adds up. It all adds up. Slowly but surely, things in my life kept changing that negatively affected my fitness. Despite the fact that these changes were happening as I was going through school in a fitness program and became a personal trainer. I am still a certified personal trainer through the American Council on Exercise. I say still because I haven't been a trainer in over three years, at least not in a gym setting. Though I still give advice to family members and I do still have one client, but I'll get to that in a bit. Even while actively working in a club, I kept gaining weight. When I reflect back on how could that be, it seems completely the wrong direction to possibly be going. If anything, it should be better, right? Well, there's a number of factors, and I was able to identify a ton of them. Some of them include bills. Before, I was working a part-time job with 10 to 15 hours a week, and I only had one bill, a $30 cell phone bill, which is now $120. And I have less free spending money now with a job that not only do I get 40 hours in, but I get overtime regularly as well. Just things were adding up. And a lot of those bills, actually, I should mention, the, the lack of, the lack of uh, discretionary spending funds is thanks to all that college. For, and I say all that college because I went for six years before anybody says, oh, that six years is not the, the partying six years to complete a four-year degree. I have an honors associates in accounting an honors associates in fitness specialization, and a bachelor's in management and marketing. So I wasn't just wasting time partying, for sure. Got to get that out there because I know what some people were starting to think. But so things were getting worse also because one of the people who helped me be so fit still in the picture of my life, and we're talking about Rob from Jump on My Cake and Bring Yesterday Back, but differently. See, at first, he and I were three to four times a week in the morning going to the gym and lifting weights together. We also were, just as often, if not more, playing football. Me as a receiver, him as a quarterback, and would literally run routes for two hours. And he would throw a ball for two hours. I was fast, I was agile, and I could catch. He could throw it hard, he can throw it fast, he could throw it accurately in a spiral. We can't do those things anymore at the moment. We don't do that so much as often now. See, what happened at first is we said, you know, we enjoy this so much. We've got friends, we've got co-workers, we've got classmates, we've got family. Let's get them involved. 
Let's have them come out here. Let's get some real football going. And we did. The problem is, we didn't realize that was going to be a negative effect on our abilities. Because, see, before it was at the drop of a hat, we could up and do that. And we were doing that several times a week. Now, so many people are involved, we needed a schedule. So it dropped to one day a week. And then sometimes, for whatever reason, it just wouldn't work out and we wouldn't do it that week. So that really started to slow us down. Then he moved. And he's since been moved, and so now we're scattered just enough, this whole group, that while we can still usually get together once a week to hang out, there's a lot more driving time involved and a lot more randomness in whatever we're doing that now it's just not a, an organized sporting event like it was before. He also stopped going to the gym. This was basically because of uh, his work, mostly. And then, of course, mine would happen that way, too. And that's when I ran into a challenge. I like working out. I do. And I had, for such a long time, been this lone wolf workout warrior. But after having had such a good experience with him as my fitness partner, ever since that day, I've found myself going to the gym and feeling like now all of a sudden the MP3 player isn't good enough company. And that now it's almost as if I need somebody who is waiting for me, so I have an obligation to be at that gym, keeping any other excuses at bay that I might give myself. Continued to work as a trainer and had a free gym membership, had complete access to the building, but I needed hours. I needed to fill out the week. And so this would happen in one of two ways. One is, of course, trying to get more clientele. The other of which was, fortunately, getting other positions on the staff there as well. Well, now I'm in the gym more than ever, but with a horrible schedule that is really bad for one's health. My typical day was to wake up in the morning and be at the gym at about 7 a.m. Work until 9 or 10 can leave but I'd have to usually be back between 11 and 1 then I'd have to leave and then come back between 3 and 9 and this would just be scrambled all throughout the week and because we were talking about an appointment based business where my obligation is to be there and I am I was now waiting on clientele and they may not feel the same way about having to oblige somebody who's waiting for you, and there were a lot of cancellations, last-minute changes, what have you, that would cause for a lot of time to be wasted. And it gets to the point where, and I'm sure many of you feel this way about your jobs, even if it's one that you like, it gets to the point where you're tired of seeing the walls. You may love wherever you work and whatever you're doing, but you don't want to stare at it too much. That's yet another kind of stress. So here, I'm a personal trainer with free access to a gym, working out less than ever before. 
Now, with the downturn of the economy and a few random unexpected events, working on such a unpredictable, not quite knowing what you're going to make week to week life wasn't going to do it anymore. And I stopped working as a trainer and I work in a law firm today. Well, now I have something that I've never dealt with before. Let me go over all the jobs I've had. I was, at one point, a personal trainer. I worked in a sheet metal shop. I worked at two different retail locations. All on your feet work. Now all of a sudden I have a 40 hour a week, Monday through Friday, desk job. Where the only time you're really getting up is when you leave, or you go on lunch, or you go to the bathroom. The rest is just sitting. Needless to say, I came very close, and sit here before all of you, being very close to the same shape I was in, lo those many years ago when all of this first started. Still lacking a gym workout partner, money not being any looser than it was before, and just generally feeling uncomfortable about my own self. So something needs to change. It has to. And so... With this podcast, I expect to journal me attempting that very change. So where am I today? On Saturdays, I'll be doing this show and I will give you my weight, my body fat percentage, how often I worked out and in what ways I worked out since the last show. Then talk about anything that comes to mind. Maybe it'll be just me using my education, refreshing myself on certain points that have been taught. Maybe I'll just tell you guys some experiences I had as a personal trainer because, believe it or not, a lot of interesting things can happen even in a short term in that job. I'm also considering talking about topics that normally would show up on the reactioneer as under the bryology section. Maybe if they're really health and especially fitness related, maybe I'll slide them over to here to talk about a bit. So, to get this show truly on the road, I want to tell you guys where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm using as well. But there's one more diatribe I need to go on before I get to that point. A lot of you who are listening to this might have on the tip of your tongue a question. And the question should be, why are you starting this now? Because if you recall at the beginning of the show, I said that the the date, I almost said the debate, the date is Saturday, November 19th, 2011. We are six days away from Thanksgiving. Which means we're not long removed from Halloween, and we're not far removed from Christmas, and of course then there's New Year's. Holidays 
that surround themselves in candies and dinners and big meals and sweets. And for a lot of people, though not me, alcohol, which is not a light food, that's for sure. Why start now? Why not wait until January 1st, New Year's? That would make sense, wouldn't it? So many people are going to do that. Well, here's the thing. Waiting is really setting me up for failure right to begin with. One of the creeds we have is that if you want to be fit and you're ready to be fit, if you're ready, that's the key word, ready, why wait? Especially why wait for something arbitrary? Those fantastic models and the hot people in all those magazines, they chow down at Thanksgiving. They have sweets at Christmas. They go out and party on New Year's. It's all true. But it's because the rest of the time they're not doing that. And they haven't been waiting for something arbitrary. Because remember, we call these holidays, but the dates are still arbitrary themselves beyond the tradition. If you wait to start a fitness plan for an arbitrary date, you then in turn are setting a mind the way you're viewing your own fitness as something that's arbitrary. And if you view your own fitness as arbitrary, why even bother? It's not important enough to you then. If there's no reason for you to wait to get started with your fitness plan, then don't start it. And I should mention, there's a lot of gyms that are open on those holidays. Most of them are open on those holidays, for most holidays, and some aren't just reduced hours, some are fully operational, which is unfortunate for the employees. I apologize to you all. But it's true. It's there. You can do it. Start it. Don't wait. All waiting is going to do is get you distracted by something else. To get you to work on making even more excuses. And then you might find yourself doing what I call the date tumble. Which is, alright, I'm going to start on this date. That date comes up. Ooh, I forgot about this. Alright, I'm going to start this date. That next date comes up. And you just keep repeating this pattern. Maybe you even start on one of those days and you actually truly get started, but because you've already tumbled a few times, now you're looking for things that are going to trip you up. And when you're looking for something, you're going to find it. So that's why I'm not waiting. And while going for my bachelor's, I had my statistics math class and I used my clientele as my project for that class. And my project was, did what time in the year somebody started working with me as a personal trainer have any effect, not so much on their success, but have any effect on how long they maintained a fitness program? 
because I knew some of the numbers that I would see right off the bat. There are three times throughout the year that I could expect a sudden influx of new clients. And typically, in my opinion, though this is definitely not always the case, I would say it's definitely a majority, but probably not a super majority, but definitely a majority of the time that when somebody was hiring me as a personal trainer, this was their first step into the fitness world. There's plenty of people who they start on their own. Maybe they feel a little lost. Maybe they feel like they need a push. Or maybe they feel like they just don't know enough to keep doing this independently that they hire me. But most of the time, more than 50% of the time, it was somebody who outright thought about those challenges. And seeing me on day one was day one for them entirely. So while compiling the data for this project, seeing the numbers of new clients didn't surprise me for a bit about when it mostly happened. We already talked about New Year's. That was number one, without a doubt, about when I would see people show up. It was huge. And I recall that too. It was such a weird thing about that job is that you want money for spending on Christmas gifts and taking advantage of all those deals in November and December. That's when I would make the least amount of money because everybody's taking vacations and because they too want to spend money on, on Christmas gifts and whatnot, they didn't have the money to slide over to personal training anymore. So I'd be broke those months. Then January, when all the deals are over, huh, I'm rolling in it then because I'm completely booked up with clients. The second spot, so we all know New Year's is because New Year's resolutions, it's an arbitrary date though. The second spot, chronologically, not necessarily by number, would actually be the end of February and early March. This is a group that's interesting, because notice that's after Valentine's Day, so it's not a romantic thing, but this group I hypothesize knew they, they waited for an arbitrary date and they probably wanted New Year's but they know everybody's waiting for New Year's it seems like all the commercials are playing all the ads are out there and they probably drive by the gym and yep that place is packed and they probably thought to themselves I don't want to be in a packed gym I don't want to have to fight for the worst hours with a personal trainer. I want to be able to find plenty of room for my group fitness class. Whatever it may be. I want the good bike in the spin class. Whatever it may be, they said, we'll wait. Because they know those people waiting for an arbitrary date may not last long. And so you let that rush die down. And now you've got an, more open machines and better choices of scheduling the problem is they tend to stay less than the new year's people and it's for the very reason that they would again i'm, I'm hypothesizing here i'm i've got a theory i don't have an actual psychoanalytical breakdown of the situation on these clients but if they did wait because of the rush they were still setting an arbitrary date 
and they were letting something that doesn't directly involve them already hold them back. A crowd. It's not as if they would have to share a session with a personal trainer with another stranger. No. They would just have whatever time they chose, and they would refuse to choose until later. No surprise, this group stayed with the program the least. I should mention, I don't have the data in front of me. I think I did save it, though. I should look it up. But New Year's Resolutioners, they lasted, on average, two and a half months. These post-rushers, one month. Now, these time frames are pretty broadly defined, too, in a way to allow the average to go up. Because I'm not just talking about clientele that worked with me on a regular basis. I'm not talking about people that I saw multiple times a week, every week. I'm talking about people who would then take the program that I gave them and go off on their own. Because a lot of personal trainers will have that at least attempted on them. I think a lot of personal trainers don't let it happen. I do. I felt like I needed to to get my name out there. And that was take people in for a couple of sessions, make sure they can do this program on their own, and have them do it on their own. A lot of trainers don't do that. I didn't like it for myself financially, and I also positive it doesn't help the client as much as having me there to make changes on the spot with them day after day but I still did it I was open to it and I offered it so like I said one month for these post rushers a few months later now we're talking about May typically came the next group and they were about a month and a half to two months in length this group was the group that was very consistently uncomfortable with their body. And we were about to enter into the warm months where now you don't have the sweaters, the jackets, and the hats, and the scarves, and the gloves to hide your physical presence from anybody. It wasn't fooling people before. No, people can tell, oh, you're overweight, not that it just happens to be a puffy jacket. But those people tend to feel more comfortable in that clothing during that time of year. But that clothing just isn't viable during summer. And summer is coming. And the clothes are going to be lighter. They're going to be tighter. Or looser, depending upon which. And just less of it. These are the people that I call the panickers. These are the ones who are like, oh my god, we need to shed this stuff off right now. Get it off, get it off, get it off, get it off, get it off. But they wouldn't last so long because the truth and reality to fitness and life is that it doesn't happen that fast. So because they can't reach a goal that really was next to impossible to begin with, they make a decision early on that it's just not worth it. Going back to how I felt when I said, I threw my arms up and just said, it's just not meant to be. Now, if you're curious, there was one time of the year that I would get a significant number of new clients that actually happened to have 
very long time frames. Their average was over eight months. And in fact, the one client I had, I mentioned that I'm still working with, this is year four for us working together. And she is without a doubt the most successful one of the clients that I've ever had. That is September. And it's hard to figure out to me why September has that effect. Why it's a rush, I understand. It seems to me that it's a rush because that is all across the country at that point. All the schools are in session. All the kids are in school. College has started. You're not home taking care of the little kids anymore. And absolutely with tons of females, specifically parents that would show up at this time. So that makes sense. But what makes them so successful? Well, in that case, what they're waiting for, for their kids to go back to school so that they don't have that same responsibility 24 hours out of the day, that's not an arbitrary reason to wait. And in fact, I had a reason to wait until now to start, and now I see that it's not worth waiting for anymore. If anybody's curious, Rob from Jump on My Cake had a job where he worked overnight 60 plus hours a week he had been trying to get a new job and he just did he's down to 40 hours per week but now his schedule is is second shift instead of the graveyard shift where he is i'm first shift so with that i figure you know what he's got the new job now it's not gonna work for us to work out together and i don't want to get started without him so now that he's not going to be part of the picture, I'm going back and working out on my own. <sighs> this is going to be a long episode, as you can probably tell already. But typically, my intro episodes are. I'm going to, going to tempt the devil here and say that this show, really, at this point, would probably be over. For the rest from here on out. But man, I did that a lot with the Reactioneer, and I, I've got my list of topics for the Reactioneer that I've got to record tomorrow. Whew, it's going to be a lot. I'm either going to speed through things, or we're just looking at two hours for sure. Anyway, oh, you know what? Speaking of other shows, I mentioned in Spot On Reflections, the Sukaden edition, that I was going to give an announcement of this show on Straight to the Bullet Point. But I only had one list, and I didn't feel like that was enough to do a straight-to-the-bullet point. So, none of that this week. Alright, so, where am I currently today? Here are my stats. Now, I'm six foot two now. I only mentioned my height once when I was talking about uh, pre-surgery. I had grown an inch since then. And now I'm probably on my way to shrinking. But... This morning, I weighed myself, and I came at 306.2 pounds. And my body fat percentage, 32.9%. So, we need to quickly discuss these numbers. Fortunately for me, thanks to the, the rage of fitness trending in the 80s and the 2000s, there really can't possibly be a generation out there that would be listening to this that doesn't quite know where people should stand pound-wise. 
So, 306 pounds, that's hefty, 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 to steal a line from Glad. I think that's Glad. Man, I hope I didn't screw that up. Oh well. Nobody's paying me for this stuff, so, eh, whatever. So anyway, 306.2 pounds. My goal, 210. Just so everybody knows. I want to put an asterisk next to this weight, however, at 306.2 pounds. I actually think that's too low. I think I'm heavier than that. My scale is a good scale, but I don't remember the last time I changed those batteries. And so, I'll be getting new batteries this week, putting in a fresh set, and see if that makes any difference at all. It may or may not. I don't really know for sure. But, just in case, there might be an unexpected change to that. But anyway, there's not much to talk about that weight-wise. A lot of you might be like, oh, 6'2", at this weight, alright, and you, you probably can look up my BMI, no problem. Because I've given you my height, my age, my weight, and you should be able to tell by my voice, I am all man. Body fat is a little different for people, though. Body fat percentage testing is much more accurate and much more useful as an indicator of somebody's fitness than BMI. And I'll probably rage on that someday soon because BMI is very widely used, including in places that do know better, but they haven't bothered themselves to do anything about it. That said, I'm at 32.9%. Now, if you go look up a body fat percentage chart, you're going to find all kinds of different numbers. For one, yes, your gender matters. For two, yes, your age matters. But how the numbers are calculated are very different too. General consensus, there are three ways of figuring out how much of your body composition is fat. The way I'm using is bioelectric impedance. A lot of people are familiar with this because it comes in two forms. You either have a scale or a handheld device that reads it. I'm not entirely sure of all the details of why, but from professionals that I've known and heard from and trust say that with bioimpedance, the hand scales are better than the, the foot ones that you stand on. Again, not sure why, but just let it know it's out there. Most people uh, have the scale ones rather than the handheld ones. I use a handheld because at one time I was doing this professionally. Something else I can do, just not on myself, is the older way of doing body fat. And that's taking those little pincher devices and actually measuring the folds of fat. The problem is, is if you're using a cheap caliper, you got a guy or a girl, doesn't matter, you got a person doing the measuring who's not very good and not paying attention to what they're doing as much as they should. Or if you've got the person being tested who's ticklish or nervous or uncomfortable, all these things can throw the numbers off a ton. Let alone the fact that when you talk to people that talk about and prefer to do caliper fold testing or fat fold testing, they all have different theories on which is best regarding uh, 
where you fold, how many times you, you measure and test, how often, etc. The best way, actually the, the two best ways are not necessarily the best options. One is hydrostatic uh, weighing, which is, if you've done it before, you know it because you're dunked into this thing of water and you're shaking all the air bubbles off of you and that is how it gets figured out, uh, water displacement and so forth. Problem is that needs specific facilities and money, because it's not it's not expensive. But I mean, compared to caliper testing, which can be done for free by anybody, and having a scalar handheld device at home where you paid for once and you're done, it's much different cost there. But it is more accurate than those two. The most accurate way is the worst way of all, and it's called an autopsy. <laughs> When you're dead, they can find out exactly how much of you is fat. I just don't know what you're going to do with that information, then. So, with all that said, you're going to also find a whole bevy, a whole range of numbers and people who put them in a spot differently than each other. I have my own. One day, I got it in myself to take all the ones from places that I trust analyze them as best as I could do a meta-analysis of them combine them together and I made my own custom chart based on all of them into one the two heads are better than one theory is what I did to put this chart together I don't know how to get this chart onto the blog but I'm thinking about doing it so that you all could actually reference what I'm referencing so at 32.7% or 32.9% on my chart, I am in the red. I have a scale that goes from dead, because there are certain points that you are dead, and yes, it's on there, practically starving, down to just essential fat, low fat, athletic, which I consider the perfect range. Fit, the recommended range, which is very wide, it's probably the widest part of this chart. Still healthy, but slightly overfat. Overfat, but not really in immediate threat of disease. Obese, which means you're going to get those diseases if you don't change anything soon. And then morbidly obese, which means you probably have them already. At 32.9%, I'm at the top end of the morbid obesity range. And there are plenty of reasons why I think I may have some of those issues that I'm dealing with already. So, just wanted to mention that. The idea of this is that over time, we're going to see that drop. Now, I know how fast pounds can drop. I've never done a consistent, long-term self-test through a body revolution of body fat percentage, so I have no idea how quickly that really changes. I only have had those three tests from before to give you guys an example of where I was then. It's a long-term differences, so we'll find out. But needless to say, plus 300 pounds in the lower 30 percentile, it's bad. That's of 11, 19, 11. And it's not just bad, it's embarrassing for a number of reasons. One is that it really hurts confidence in a number of different things. Two, 
I'm uncomfortable in my own clothing. Three, it's odd considering that I was an avid personal trainer and that I do have this still strong interest in the health and fitness industry, yet look at me now. (laughs) It's just a whole lot of problems and it needs to be corrected because if I don't correct it, that little money I have now will in the future become even less money thanks to the need to be on prescriptions for life and nobody wants that. And I'm keeping track of all of this in an Excel sheet, just in case anybody was curious about that. And I'm using trend lines because I'm a fan of trend lines on charts. I just like to see when you're ahead of the estimates or below it. But those are my numbers so far. So, now the question is, what am I doing fitness-wise? And what tools, if any, do I have that that I'm making use of? Let's go with what I'm doing first. While waiting to see what was going to happen with Rob's job, I have a extraordinarily in-depth, I'm very proud of it, completely uh, micromanaged workout plan for two people. That will be going to the side because I can't use it. I'm working out on my own. (laughs) So I'm hanging on to it, though, because in case things change, that's a program I've got right there. But instead, I'm doing a very simple program. I've got one client that I've mentioned a couple of times now that I'm still working with. And she and I meet usually for sure once a week. Most often, twice a week, and sometimes three times a week. We've even met up four times in a couple weeks, although that's very rare. And there is a track not too far from where we both live, outdoors, uphill and downhill and graded and turned out in the elements completely, that uh, is about a mile and an eighth long in one go-round. And so... We have a program of doing two miles on this. And the way it works is that we start off jogging for a certain amount of time. And we increase that time by 15 to 30 seconds after we've been able to meet whatever the previous time was. Now, she has no experience with really jogging, so the time is very low. We're at a minute and a half. And slowing that down a ton is that, again, it's November, we're entering winter, and it gets a lot harder to do. But anyway, we run, or not run, but we jog for whatever our time is set. Once that time is up, we then have a very nice, very good-paced walk that's still definitely exercise around the rest of that loop. And then we turn ourselves, we reverse our direction around and do it again, because this isn't one solid, fixed, flat plane that we're on I'm big on body balance so this way we're a bit more even and then like the next time we meet we start in whatever direction we did the second time last time and just keeps going back and forth just just for balance purposes on my own I'm doing two things the one that I started today is going to the gym but before I mention the gym I want to talk about my job. I am a person who has one 30-minute lunch 
and two 15-minute breaks. On my 15-minute breaks, my office that I'm at is in, I think the term is campus, uh, office campuses, something along those lines, where it's a bunch of different businesses and uh, a street-length sort of area. Not all the buildings are connected into one, so it's not a strip mall. And you can drive around the whole thing. You know, I don't know how to explain it. I think campuses is the correct term. Well, one day I was walking around it on a break and I timed my walk, knowing exactly how fast I would walk a mile. And it turns out that it's almost perfect that one lap around the specific cluster of buildings that I'm in is a quarter mile. So what I do is uh, take both of my breaks and I walk around twice each break. So each workday, I'm getting in a mile of walking. That on top of what other physical activity I might do in the afternoon. And that's a huge plus. That alone right there would probably be able to quickly get me under 300 pounds. It doesn't sound like it, but that little bit of exercise would actually probably bring me to 280. I'm definitely looking for more than that, though, so that's why I'm not stopping there. What I'm doing at the gym is probably the most involved. I have a three-day split. So people who are personal trainers or have had experience with a personal trainer, you're probably familiar with the split terminology, which uh, there's some very common examples. One of which is where each day you go to work out, you work out different muscles. So you can do a two-day split that's upper and lower body. So Monday you go to work out and you just work everything above the waist. You go to work out Tuesday or Wednesday and you do lower body and then you just cycle through that. Still very common, although maybe more amongst uh, fitness aficionados rather than just regular people are the push-pull splits. Push-pull isn't divided against upper body and lower body, but it's against what action that muscle is doing. So as an example, doing curls for your biceps would be an example of pulling. You're pulling the weight towards you. So the day you do that, you would not be doing the tricep extension machine, which is the back of your arm, which typically to work that, you're pushing the weight away from your body. Then there's three-day splits as well because the muscles in your lower body are so much larger and there's overall so much fewer of them to target compared to the upper body that you could actually have one lower body day and two upper body days, all completely different exercises. At the same time, don't forget that whatever you're doing, who you're doing this stuff with, has quite an impact on what you can do. So that super amazing program I was talking about that I was so proud of involves a ton of different types of exercises, a lot of which are not actually... Some of which aren't possible to do on my own, but a lot of which are possible but aren't worth doing on my own. So I have a three-day split which is muscle action agnostic. 
So my split actually has to do more with what equipment I'm using. So today was day one. My day one, I focused on working out muscles using machine weights, a.k.a. lever weights. So what I did is I did leg extensions. One of my favorite exercises, typically you're sitting in the chair and you've got a pad on top of your shin and you're going from a feet facing down position towards the floor and you're kicking your legs out to where they're parallel with your with your hips that you're sitting down in and it works your quadriceps which is the front of your thigh from there i go on to seated leg curls that's the opposite machine of the one that we just went on this time your feet are on top of a pad you're starting out with your legs outstretched with your feet on top of a pad so there's a pad under your uh your upper ankle and now you're pushing down and bringing your legs bent towards you and that works your hamstring muscles from there there's not much in the way of legs for for this day for me i see because from there i went to what i call the pec deck uh also called called butterflies although I use the terms differently. When I say butterflies, I'm talking about when you sit upright. And both of these basically have the same action. You sit upright. It's a chest exercise. Your arms are spread. And you're bringing everything in front of you, squeezing your chest muscles and pushing against these pads in your arms, bringing them together. With the one where your arm is up, I call those butterflies. The ones that I actually do, however, I don't call butterflies. I call just pec deck flies because my arms aren't bent at a 90 degree angle. They're extended out fully in front of me. From there, I went and did lat pull downs. Lat pull downs are meant to work those, those wing muscles under your armpits, uh, the latissimus dorsi. And the way that I do it, I do it wide grip. So my pinkies are just at the end of the bar and I pull it down in front of me. Now, this is done in a ton of different ways and there's a lot of arguments about which way is the best way. But the way I'm doing it is that I don't sit entirely straight up. I lean back just a little bit at a small angle just so that I don't lean back as I'm pulling down the bar to my chest. I don't have to move my face out of the way. Then I do a machine rear delt row. And the handle I use, because this typically has three different handles, I'm using the ones that are vertical, that face up and down. Uh, a lot of the machines are actually set up so that your palms are facing down rather than how I'm doing it, which my palms are facing each other. And then you're just pulling things straight back, and you're usually pressing your chest up against the chair as you're doing that, and you're tightening the muscles in your upper back, and those are what's getting a workout. Then I go on to triceps extensions, and uh, kind of already mentioned what those are, but in case you're not sure, you start with your arm bent, and they're usually right by your face on this machine, and you keep your elbows flat down against the pad, and you just unbend at the elbows, and you work the back of your arm. Uh, to be honest, I always feel like the way that you really get any benefit out of that exercise is once you've reached a certain weight point that, and you keep good form in order to, to really make that work, and I'm not at that point yet. Then I do the opposite exercise of that. I do the machine curls. 
So now your arms are outstretched. You're doing a curl on the machine. Uh, my biceps are extremely weak. They've always been a weak point. I'm also doing wrist curls. Uh, I recommend that you look those up to kind of see because I don't know if I would be able to make sense with with uh, these exercises. Speaking of which, if you want to see a list of exercises, see them get performed, see a detailed explanation of how to do them, as well as see a bit of an, an anatomical image showing you what's being worked and how, take a look at www.exrx.com. Uh, so, exercise prescription, EXRX fantastic web website not only will they have all the exercises that you're looking for but if that same exercise can be modified and performed with a different piece of equipment it's on there and it gets updated pretty regularly too you're not going to see a new update all the time but if you don't go there for a while and you go back you're like whoa there's so much more they also show you stretches they have some calculators on there that you might be interested in Plenty of links to other resources, a nice FAQ that talks about uh, a lot of myths and debunks them as well, and uh, just plenty of external links to other fantastic sources as well. It's completely free. Uh, the website isn't fancy by any means, just be warned by that, but it, it doesn't need to be. It's, it's just solid all the way around. I've been using it for a long time. So that's day one on machines. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, for my abdominals, I actually do sit-ups on those incline benches. So right now there's no incline, and I'm not getting very many out of there. Uh, I do a warm-up for 10 minutes, either on a recumbent bike or a treadmill. I'm not really doing a cool-down unless if it's a day that I have a ton of time. So, and stretching right now for me is a little bit sporadic that'll pick up once i start getting into this a bit more but i recommend all those things especially if you have the time so the next day i go which i'm looking at my schedule it's probably going to be monday is my best bet to go to the gym uh i do what i call assisted now assisted are not necessarily machines but i'm using something like a machine to help me do a workout so on this day, my first exercise are squats, and I do them on a Smith machine. And if you don't know what a Smith machine is, they're the big, large, white machines where people do weights on them where they look like they should probably have a partner, but they don't. You don't need one when you're using a Smith machine because the bar that they're moving, you can twist with your hands, and it'll lock it in. I've actually had to use that once to keep it from choking me. <laughs> That'll be a story I have to tell you guys one day. But, uh, fantastic machine, so since I'm working out on my own, that's the way I've got to do it. So, I do squats, still stay on that machine, then I do standing calf raises. One thing that I haven't seen at the gym that I'm at now, which is LA Fitness, I don't see a box to stand on, which allows you to get a bit larger range of motion for your uh, calf raises, but that's fine for now. I'm sure either I'm just overlooking it, or... Or maybe I can ask or get something of my own to bring in there. Then, stay on the same machine. I pull over a bench and I do bench presses on it. Stay on the machine some more. I do shoulder shrugs. Then, I do shoulder presses before I finally leave the Smith machine. Uh, from there, then, I do tricep dips on those parallel bars, <laughs> which I know at this weight, 
being this out of shape, uh, maybe one or two I'll get when I go to do this, but it's okay because the idea is to track all this and improve as time goes by. Uh, from there I do concentration curls. Concentration curls are the ones that you see a person doing one arm at a time in that they're resting their elbow on their leg and usually it's a bit more in between the legs than it is above the waist. So that's a concentration curl. And then I did wrist curls on the machine days. On the assist days, I do reverse wrist curls. And I also do reverse crunches for my abdominal workout. And then finally, the third day is my free weight day. And these are the ones that I typically think of as the hardest, the most advanced, the most you have to pay attention to your form and reduce the weight compared to what you had been doing elsewhere to really get this exer- these exercises to work. So I start off with everybody's favorite, lunges. Ugh. From there, I do straight leg deadlifts, also known as stiff leg deadlifts, and I've seen some people refer to them as good mornings. I'm not sure why they call them good mornings, though. From there, I do flies again, but uh, this time I'm doing flies with a dumbbell laying flat on a bench. Uh, then I have my... My bent over raises is what I put it in here, but I'm not really doing the standing ones. Instead, I'm actually laying flat on my back. They're reverse flies is what they should be called. Uh, Then front raises are a nice little shoulder one. Hit the triceps again, this time by doing kickbacks. Then I do curls, but this time uh, I do hammer curls, so they don't quite target the bicep, the way the previous two days would. Gives you something a little different. And then I do, I go over to a cable machine and I do two exercises. One is twists on the side uh, with my arms out extended, a solid base with a bend in the knee, and I'm just using my obliques, keeping my arms straight in front of me, holding onto this handle, and I use my obliques to twist my body 180 degrees, almost, not quite. You got to turn around and then that's how you get the other side. This will stay there and I do shoulder rotator muscles, which uh, I'm not a I'm not a baseball player. I'm not a tennis player. But for a little while there, I was playing a lot of racquetball. And I can tell you without a doubt, just this tiny exercise, which you have to keep at such a low weight because otherwise... Good luck trying to do anything in the next couple of days until you get used to it. Really messes up how your shoulder is, but the strength benefit seems so small. It takes so long to grow in it. But having played racquetball before, during, and after a routine where I did these shoulder exercises makes a world of a difference there. Really does. And, uh, and that's my gym schedule. So, I'll be giving you guys updates on that weekly about where I'm at, how my weight and body fat percentage have been affected, how often I've done the routines. Meat of the show will be any random thoughts I I put together during my workouts, maybe habits I see of other people, or articles I've come across. What am I using? So, I already told you guys that I'm using a bioimpedance measuring device. The brand is Omicron. You can look them up on Amazon and I'm sure a ton of other places. They're not really expensive. They're extremely easy to use. Pay attention to the instructions. Uh, 
And also remember, whenever you're measuring your weight or your body fat, keep a routine. So my routine when I'm measuring this is that I do it, I wake up in the morning, I go to the bathroom, I usually have to pee when I wake up, and I know you're probably like, whoa, too much information, but this is important when you're talking about keeping track of this stuff. I'm not trying to be gross. So I go to the bathroom, wash the hands, let the hands dry. What I'm not doing is I'm not eating anything and I'm not drinking anything at this point either. Then I do the measurements. You can go ahead and eat and drink something if you want to, but it should always be as close to the same as possible. So it, if it's water and it's just one cup of water that you get, because maybe your mouth is dry after sleeping, always have water, always have that same size cup, have it at the same time. It should be a routine basis because you're going to weigh more later on in the day after you've had your meals than you are in the middle of the night when you haven't eaten in a while. So the idea isn't find out exactly how much you weigh because that's always going to change. Instead, you want to trend it. See, is the weight staying the same? Is it going up over time? Is it going down over time? And in my case, I want down. So remember that. And also remember when you're doing a body fat thing, if you're going to go with uh, bioelectric impedance, pay attention to your form. Stand up straight. Breathe nice and easily. Don't have wet hands because... Uh, the way it reads, you can read up on them, but water, and that's why I don't actually drink anything before I take this, is water can really screw up the results of the test. So that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to weigh myself every day. A lot of people don't actually recommend that. I don't have the same problems with uh, just suddenly losing all my confidence because I went up two pounds overnight, even though I thought it was a perfect day. I know that happens. I've got that education and experience behind me that it's not going to affect me going to do that. As far as body fat testing, I'm just going to do that on a weekly basis. So the days that I go to record this show, those are the mornings that I go to actually measure my fat. And so whatever method you decide, keep that same method too. Because we just want consistency, we want patterns, we want a habit. I'm using a few other tools though as well. So you should have shoes specifically made for working out. Now I've got cross trainers that aren't the best and I'm thinking next year I'm going to get better ones but they do just fine for now they're shoes I don't wear all that often because at work I'm wearing dress shoes etc I have a separate pair of shoes for running however and that's all they get used for nothing else so when I do those outdoor events that's what I'm wearing I am big into Under Armour I find it to be the most comfortable clothing I've ever worn I own tons of it Fortunately, a lot of it's old, but it still does what it's supposed to do. And so, make sure you're wearing something comfortable. Every now and then, man, I see people who go to the gym in jeans, and I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? It's just such a bad idea. But they do it. On top of that, I use music. I've got an old iPod, an iPod Nano 2 or 3G, I'm not even, or 2 or 3rd generation, not even sure. Not touchscreen, doesn't play video, don't need it to, just plays my music. I have a playset that's specifically songs that give me energy when I play. And so they just, I got a bunch of like 500 plus songs. Over time, I'm slowly adding more, of course, and it's just doing fine for me. I also have my iPhone, and I do use my iPhone for one specific program. There's a lot of apps out there uh, for tracking your fitness 
I spent the money on several to decide which was best for me because reading the reviews, the opinions are so different. Now, I'm very good at reading multiple reviews and finding out how I feel about a product without trying it. I do this all the time with video games because I know what I need to focus on for me. I was not able to do that with apps for fitness on the iPhone because it's just such an individualized thing. I am using a a program called Gym Goal, and it's got a picture of a a golden guy in a blue background holding up a weight. Uh, It was, I believe, one of the more expensive options out of the the thing. Maybe it was like five bucks at the time. I don't know what it is now, and I don't want to bother looking, so sorry. Oh, what the heck, I'll look now. I'll see how much it costs now. But I use that. And what was attractive about that one to me, not only did it do everything I wanted to do, keep a trend, save all your individual routines, uh, it was the most hands-off out of the premier uh, versions of these apps that I saw. Because, again, I have this education, I have that on-the-job experience, and I don't need the hand-holding. Now, to a lot of people, that hand-holding is important. And if I remember correctly, the reviews on this app was, along the negative lines, was the fact that it was so so hands-off. People felt like they needed more than they were getting. So, all right. Let's see here. iPhone app. So, they've got... Uh, oh, shoot. It's... I'm, I'm looking it up in iTunes, and because I own it, it's not giving me a price. They do have a free light version. They have something called Gym Goal ABC. Gym Goal, by the way, is one word. And Gym Goal ABC... Ah, Gym Goal ABC is just the portion of the full app that lists uh, many different types of exercises that can be done by muscle. Now, I mentioned exrx.net. Oh, did I say .net or .com? All right, I'm going to be doing all sorts of on-the-fly research here. EXRX.net. I told you guys .com, it's .net. I apologize for that. So, that site, I think, has a lot more than I've seen on any of these apps, including Gym Goal itself. Uh, Trying to find... The prices for this. What's nice is that Jim Gold does let you back uh, create an account and you can back up your data to the server in case you end up switching phones quite a bit, what have you. I need to find the App Store's Jim Gold so I can get the price. Okay, I don't remember it being this cheap, but it's $3 according to uh, iTunes.Apple.com. So I believe I paid closer to 4 or 5 for it. It takes a little getting used to, especially custom creating your own routines, and you basically have to do that. It's not going to give you any pre-built routines that I recall. And uh, you shouldn't do it that way anyway. Everybody is very individual. The most important lesson that we had uh, in a fitness education program is that everybody is different. There is no, no one-size-fits-all program. If there was, huh, what an easy job that could be, but it's not. So, I use that as a tool. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I bring my own towel. LA Fitness does not have towels. Lifetime Fitness did, but uh, they always smelt burnt to me. I don't know why. 
It's got to have something to do with the way they wash and dry those. But I actually spent the money on those old Gatorade towels. I'm sure there's there's a newer kind as well, but it's the perfect size. It's not a bath towel or beach towel that's just huge. And it's also not like some of these little napkin-sized towels that doesn't do anything. This towel is big enough that I can lay it on the machine that I'm going to make contact with to keep from getting my sweat all over it, as well as still having plenty of room beyond that to actually wipe my brow, wipe my forehead, whatever I have to do with all, all the sweating. So use that. Bring water with you. I take sips in between each machine just so... I know that uh, I'm keeping myself hydrated. Hydrate before and hydrate after. That's really important. Uh, so, I guess it's time for me to start bringing this to a close. I think I've said everything that's important for how this is going to work. I think so. All right. So, I'm going to leave you guys for now. So, this is going to be a Saturday thing journal. Never really know how long each episode is going to be. I think this one's going to very, very wide, wide, widely. Oh boy. We're entering that talking stuff issue problem with words again. Ugh. Okay. As I was saying, the length of the show is going to be widely variable. Haha! <laughs> I finished the sentence. Okay. Just because... Whether or not I have any articles about fitness that caught my attention, it's hard to hard to really estimate if that's going to happen or not. Also, too, what if I don't? What am I going to talk about? Each topic is going to be its own length. So, I have problems with that. So, you never know what you're going to get. Box of chocolate routine is how we're going to do this. Reactionary Seinfeldian. This is Forrest Gumpian. So I do want to remind everybody one more time, though, because there's a good chance that you're going to ask me fitness questions because I told you I have an associate's degree specifically in fitness, and I have experience as a personal trainer. I am still certified through the American Council of Exercise, and I am still practicing. The problem is, is that I'm not practicing professionally anymore. And my, my certification is set to expire in May or June. So that would be 2012. And while I haven't made the final decision yet, I'm currently leaning towards not renewing. And it's nothing against ACE. It's nothing against American Council on Exercise. But as I may have mentioned before, at least on other shows, I don't know about this one, my current goal is to get into medical school and to become an MD. And... Before I can get there, there's a lot of expenses, and by a lot I mean there are school loans that I want to pay off from my all my prior education, as well as classes before medical school that I'm going to have to take for a couple years, leaving it very difficult to find money to spend on the hundreds and hundreds of dollars that I would have to keep my continuing education credits up, as well as to consistently keep up my first aid, CPR, and AED certification in order to keep being a certified personal trainer. That will also mean that once that expires, I lose access to a lot of good information that I would like to share with you guys and talk about. 
So all that's up in the air. We'll see what I wind up doing with it as it comes closer. Mostly I'm thinking practically it's worth letting go, but at the same time, I'm so into this stuff that I don't like losing tools, and I really want to keep it going because it doesn't hurt me having that getting into medical school and trying to become a doctor. I don't think that it helps, but I know it doesn't hurt. So, that's going to be up in the air too. Also, when it comes to answering questions about this sort of thing, another problem we run into is that I don't know you. I would need to not only know you, but I would have to put you through some physical examinations that I normally do, as well as monitor your progress. So whatever questions I would answer or attempt to answer, it'd be in really general terms. So I don't want to discourage those from coming to me. That's not my, my, uh, my method of my madness here. But what I'm really hoping for feedback-wise is I want to hear how others are doing and trying to get into their goals. What things have worked for them? Uh, We might discuss even trends and fads and where they go and how they they happen to be. For example, I'm not going to go over it because it was a few weeks ago, but I saw research saying that the shake weight may not be such a bad exercise, but when I take a look at you know, once I get past the imagery that I'm getting from a shake weight, when I look at the methodology of the specific study, I say well, that was not a very useful study. It doesn't tell me much of anything other than what I knew at the time just by watching it and what they're comparing it to. So things like that will come up left and right. But more importantly, I want to share with you guys my thoughts. I want to make all of you as the audience, the people who are my my obliged feeling that I have to go to the gym and I have to be successful with all this. And I hope that, in turn, you guys will share your experiences with me, uh, as well as maybe any random observations you have that you think are funny and worth talking about, because, let's be honest, gyms are full of very interesting people. Needless to say, I have quite a few on my mind already. So, I'm going to go ahead and leave you guys now. I will talk to you again tomorrow via the main Reactioneer Weekly Show. And like I said already, I've got a lot of topics and I have not checked any of the websites I normally check out yet today. So, who knows where that can go. Take it care, everybody. Take it care. That's right. God, I'm so bad at this. Take it easy and take care. Do both. Why not? Splurge. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.